On Wednesday, January 27, in Washington, D.C., the New America Think Tank plans an open discussion on Amazon's book monopoly, A Threat to Freedom of Expression, with author Scott Turow and Smashwords founder Mark Coker, among others. New America says it is committed to the solution of public problems, and clearly, for many authors, Amazon is public enemy number one. Welcome to Copyright Clearance and his podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. In 2014, Authors United and others began to urge the U.S. Department of Justice to bring an antitrust action against Amazon. They argue its dominant market position lends the e-retailer dangerous influence on who and what can be published and read. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly senior writer, is happy to hear that publishing figures are ready to talk about Amazon in the open, and he joins me now as he does every Friday. Welcome back to Beyond the Book, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. Well, we'll get to that development there regarding Amazon and that special program coming to Washington, D.C., but let's start with some interesting, indeed distressing news out of London, where Pearson is said to be cutting 4,000 jobs by the middle of this year. Uh, That's quite a number. Tell us about that. Yeah, interesting news indeed, although we should point out that all the early reports indicate that Pearson's cost-cutting move will not affect staff at Penguin Random House, which, by all accounts, has been performing rather well. Uh, Rather, the Pearson cuts, I think, reflect the difficulty in the education market, where Pearson is heavily invested. Uh, And that market, of course, is not only roiled by technology these days, but also trends like textbook rentals and most prominently, I think, by politics, especially in the U.S. For example, the Common Core has met with a significant political opposition, greatly complicating matters for Pearson. And many states have actually cut back on testing, which, of course, Pearson is heavily involved with. Uh, in any case, the cut represents about 10% of staff at Pearson, I'm told. And as a report from the bookseller noted, uh, this follows a 2013 restructuring that slashed about 3,000 jobs. So while it's not impacting the world of trade publishing, some not-so-good news for the world's largest publishing conglomerate, Pearson, to start off 2016. Well, indeed, and we don't like seeing not-so-good news in any corner of the book business, but when regards to the the, the trade publishing beat which you follow, there is uh, an interesting development that I previewed in the opening, that Authors United, the group founded by novelist uh, Douglas Preston, uh, has announced plans to host a discussion about Amazon in conjunction with the Authors Guild and the New America Think Tank. And so I know you've got plenty of thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, that's right. Preston's group has joined with the Authors Guild and the New America Foundation, and they're hosting this discussion, which you mentioned, in Washington, D.C. The talk is set to be called Amazon's Book Monopoly, A Threat to Freedom of Expression, and it will be held at the New America Foundation's office in Washington, D.C. on January 27th. The event is free, and anyone in the D.C. area can attend. So if you're in the area, you may look to stop in. Uh, among those who are going to be featured in the discussion are, as you mentioned, Scott Turow, also Susan Cheever, uh, Smashwords founder Mark Hoker, former New Republic editor Frank Four, who we had a great time with on a panel at the Miami Book Fair a couple years ago, and uh, William Morris Endeavor agent Eric Simonoff will also participate. And you mentioned I have some thoughts on this, and you're right. And you know, I find this fascinating because the one subject that people in publishing assiduously avoid talking about is Amazon. You know as well as I do, if you ask any publisher about Amazon, the response, if there's any at all, is usually whispered. And suddenly, here we are, we're going to have a three-hour public session talking about Amazon. 
Also interesting to me is that in a letter sent to potential attendees, Preston said positive things have come out of a recent meeting that Authors United and the Authors Guild has had with the Justice Department about antitrust concerns with Amazon. You know, but frankly, I don't expect much more action there. Uh, and that's mainly because the groups uh, that are at the table, in my opinion, I don't know that they truly appreciate where Amazon's biggest threat lies and where its most anti-competitive actions are really occurring. And that's in the self-publishing market. You know, Amazon's self-publishing business is really a big part of its competitive advantage. And on the self-publishing side, some of the contracts that you see there for content are really restrictive and really quite terrible deals. And they're non-negotiable. You know, if you want in on Amazon's platform and you're an indie author and a self-published author, your choices are to click yes and not quibble or don't be on there at all. The fact that Mark Coker from Smashwords is on the panel makes me think that this may come up at the talk. And I think Mark is one of the most cogent voices of opposition when it comes to Amazon. But we'll see. Uh, you know, but back to the big five publishing and uh, the, the way we talk about Amazon, you know, the gripes about Amazon's dealings with the big five publishers to me are much less interesting than the self-publishing question. Uh, because, you know, let's be clear, even though they were sued for price fixing, the publishing industry actually got what it wanted. Uh, at least for ebooks, agency pricing is now in effect, so they control digital pricing. And on the flip side, indie bookstores showed a really significant spike upwards last year. So I think it may be hard for them to, as well as Doug Preston wants to say the meeting went with the DOJ, I think it may be hard to justify a government action against Amazon in a market where publishers now control the pricing for digital content, something they achieved through what was proved to be a price-fixing conspiracy, and where the indie ebook channel is on the rise again. But I'll be even more blunt here. What's really needed is not one-off events like this one, but an ongoing discussion of how we sell books in America. And that discussion is hampered by non-disclosure agreements, and secret contract terms. So the question I have ahead of this event is, if we're going to have a discussion about Amazon, how do we do that if we can't know what's in their contracts? So stay tuned. We'll be following this in next week's issue and on the PW website. And right here on Beyond the Book, uh, we look forward to having that discussion with you at least. And, and maybe uh, at some stage, we'll go back to Miami Book Fair with Frank Four and some others and, and continue it there. But in the meantime, um, let's get back to that very famous case, the ebook price fixing suit that you have spoken about so much. And there is some news on that this week. And it's about Apple's Supreme Court bid. That's right. Apple has now filed its reply brief in the case, which means that the case is now most likely fully briefed and could be headed to the Supreme Court cert pool very, very soon. Now, I say most likely fully briefed because uh, the DOJ could file a reply to Apple's reply to their brief, although observers tell me that is quite unlikely. And regardless, that filing would come in the next week or 10 days. So it's not likely that it would hold up a decision from the high court on whether or not to take the case, uh, at least not for very long. And we do expect the cert pool to meet on that very shortly and a decision to come sometime this spring as to whether or not Apple will be heard by the Supreme Court. In terms of Apple's latest brief itself, there's really not much new to report there. It mainly reiterates Apple's contention that the lower courts committed a legal error in finding Apple liable for a per se case of price fixing uh, because they say case law dictates that its vertical relationship to the publishers means that they have to be considered under the more expansive rule of reason framework. Uh, Apple argues that the ruling creates uncertainty for new entrants to new markets, and they think it would cause great harm to the economy if not 
handled by the Supreme Court. The GOJ, of course, has asked the Supreme Court to reject Apple's bid, arguing that the verdict against Apple rests on, and I'll quote here, the unexceptionable proposition that Apple was not entitled to accomplish its entry into a market by organizing a horizontal price-fixing conspiracy among the market suppliers. So in any case, it's possible that Apple has actually filed its final brief in this long-running lawsuit, and it will know soon. Oh, uh final brief. I'm not so sure we can say that just yet, but it may be the case. Well, we can't say finally here on this week's edition of Beyond the Book with Andrew Albanese that we're going to go back to the past. And that's the return of the Book of the Month Club. Yeah, in Monday's issue, we have a story about the return of America's legendary book club. Uh, you know, approximately three years after its parent company was acquired by uh, new ownership, the Book of the Month Club is now roaring back to life, albeit in somewhat of a different format. Uh, the Book of the Month Club was originally founded back in the 20s as a mail order business, and it relaunched late last year as a hardcover subscription service, This, you know, reflecting this vision that its new owner, John Littman, has. Uh, Littman acquired uh, Book of the Month Club uh, their parent company, Bookspan, in late 2012, and he set out to create a new business that would appeal to readers who use the internet for all sorts of things, including buying books. Uh, on the first of each month, the club judges announced five new monthly selections. Uh, members have until the seventh of each month to choose which one they want to read, uh, and then that book is sent out to them. Uh, f- shipping is free, and you can sign up for a one-month or a three-month or a full-year membership, and there's price incentives for longer members. So, in a year where indie bookstores have reported signs of a rebirth, let's see if this uh, grand old book club can do the same. Well, you know, some of these clubs are doing very well. Uh, Facebook and others are helping to promote them for close. I was uh, given a membership in the Sock of the Month Club uh, at one point. So, uh, with any luck, the Book of the Month Club may see a second life. Andrew Albanese, senior writer for Publishers Weekly, thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Book. My pleasure, as always. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, a global rights licensing technology and content workflow organization. At CCC, we serve more than 35,000 customers and 15,000 copyright holders worldwide and manage more than 950 million rights from the world's most sought-after journals, books, blogs, movies, and more. You can follow Beyond the Book on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to the free podcast series on iTunes or at our website, beyondthebook.com. Our engineer and co-producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. 